0: Welcome to the sixth episode of our podcast's first season, Scary But True Campfire Stories, brought to you by Dudes Camping, hosted and narrated by Matthew S. Newbold. Thanks for listening, and please spread the word, tell your friends, tell your pastor, post it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other social media outlet that censors information like a Chinese government official. Our goal is to share true stories of the strange, supernatural, ghostly, and unexplained as we gather around the virtual campfire. Or maybe you are sitting around a real campfire right now. Maybe you have a strange but true story that you'd like to share. Email us at dudescampingstories at gmail.com with your own Bigfoot, UFO, ghost, or unexplained supernatural story and we'll consider it for broadcast. Don't forget to visit us on YouTube and Facebook at Dude's Camping. This next tale is a true story spanning three decades. Denny Thrush claimed to have been abducted by UFOs and given a message that may have eventually led to his debilitating state. Was his abduction by the government worse than alien beings from another planet? Was he really able to travel through time? Or was he just another case of undiagnosed schizophrenia? Sit back, relax, and enjoy The Strange Abduction of Denny Thrush. Everyone seems to have a black sheep in the family. That uncle that nobody likes to talk about who shows up at the family reunions drunk or with a woman 30 years his junior. You know the one I'm talking about. Well, my uncle Denny was definitely the black sheep of the family. But in my youthful eyes, he was the epitome of what an uncle should be. He was my hero. The guy lived off-grid, in the wilderness, and in a cave for Pete's sake. It was everything that my young mind could hope for. An exciting and carefree life of continuous camping and no responsibility that somehow attracted the attention of local Arizona police the FBI, and even aliens from another planet, or so he told us. You see, he was a savant at building things and figuring out solutions to complex problems, but he lacked the everyday social skills that most people possess. It made him somewhat of an outcast, which never bothered him because he had two brothers and one sister, my mother. Unfortunately, his youngest brother was killed in a car accident in his twenties, and his older brother, who was his best friend, died of cancer in his forties. Denny was left alone with his sister and grieving mother, which probably led to his desire to wander off and live in the woods by himself. One summer, my mother, brother, and I went to visit him in Arizona. He was renting a room from an old lady in Phoenix helping her around the house and barely getting by. We drove to the Coconino Forest, where we camped out in the wilderness for a week. I mostly remember him popping a beer every twenty minutes and just being extremely funny. He took me on a hike to see his cave, which was pretty well hidden from view. It was an enclosure on the side of a cliff that went about thirty feet deep and widened into a fifteen-foot room at the end. He had a fridge, a TV set, and a bed with little room for anything else. He made a septic tank by burying a barrel in the ground. He also created electricity by running a line from a small turbine in a nearby brook to a generator which was just enough to power his fridge or the TV, but not both. I was fascinated at his ingenuity and resourcefulness. The most amazing thing about his cave, though, was how it was hidden from people and from park rangers. He had hauled down bags of concrete and built a rolling door that looked just like the rock face. He could roll it back and forth on some sort of wheel system and you would never even know it was there. Amazing. Several years later, when I was entering high school, I remember how distressed he was on the phone. The rangers had discovered his cave and destroyed it, which now put him under the watchful eye of the park and local police. He seemed to think that they were stalking him, and so he sent my mother a sealed letter telling her not to open it. She wasn't sure of his intentions and opened it anyways. This sent him into a frenzy of expletives and made him question our loyalty. He quickly got over it, though. Rather than living in a cave, he now resided in a tent deep in the Coconino National Forest where he spent most of his time trying to avoid authorities. He would occasionally call Collect from a payphone and update us on where he was and what he was doing. I remember one particular call in 1993 when he told me that he had been abducted by a UFO while he was moving his tent from one spot to another. What happened? I asked him. Well, I had just broke down my tent and I put all my equipment in my pack. I left some things hidden so that I could come back for them later. I have about four or five spots that are just remote enough not to be noticed, and I just switch between them every week or so. I could hear the excitement in his voice. I was walking to my spot as the sun was setting. I know the area well enough to find my way before it gets completely dark, so I stopped at the river. I was washing my hands and face when I looked up, and right in front of me was a floating silver disc. What? I gasped. Just sitting there? How far was it? Oh, it was probably fifty feet away, just hovering there, completely silent, he said. I pondered this for a second. What did you do? I asked. Nothing, he said. I just stared at it. I wasn't afraid, and it seemed like it was observing me almost friendly. How anybody could get the sense that a metal object was observing them or that it was friendly seemed a little odd to me. I'm sure that a cow assumes the butcher's intentions are friendly before it slits its throat. After about five minutes, he continued, the thing just shot up in the air and disappeared. Wow, I said in amazement. What did it look like? Did you see anybody inside or anything on the outside? I was like a child who had just been told about Disneyland for the first time. He thought about it briefly, then responded in an apathetic tone. It was a metallic silver that seemed to be reflecting light from somewhere, but not the sun. It also had strange markings like hieroglyphs with dots circling the tip of the disc. I didn't see any windows and I didn't see any other people, but it didn't end there. Oh, great, I thought. Nobody would believe such a story from a guy who lives in a tent by himself. Even though he was my uncle, I didn't even know if I believed him, but it was a fascinating tale to say the least. What happened next? I eagerly questioned him. I got to my site, set up the tent, and unloaded my equipment. I would have to make another trip the next day because it was getting pretty dark. I had a small fire going and just finished cooking some food when I opened a beer and lied back looking up at the stars. Oh, the kryptonite to the believability of any story. Beer, I thought. Up until this point, I had some faith that what he was telling me was true. But with beer in the equation, anything is possible. How many beers did he have? I was looking up into the night sky when that disc came back and hovered between me and my view of the stars. I couldn't tell how close it was, but almost as soon as I saw it, my mouth, lips, and jaw started to tingle like it does after the dentist. And that's the last thing I remember. I woke up the next day inside my tent and went back to get my other stuff. Weren't you concerned about the missing time? I asked, thinking that a normal person would be freaked out. To be honest, I didn't think about it much. It was just kind of... He paused, searching for the right word. Weird, that's all. Not scary or frightening, just weird. I didn't know what to think about this story. I wanted to believe my uncle, but so much about his account seemed like a movie or an episode of X-Files replayed in his mind. After graduating from high school two years later, Some buddies and I decided to drive across the country from northern Ohio to Arizona. Our intention was to go to the spot that my uncle was supposedly abducted and camp out. This sounded like a great idea when we were 18. We didn't really consider the maintenance of the vehicle and ended up having to tow the car twice. We split up, and I decided to continue on to meet my uncle while the other guys tried to drive the shorter distance to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I had to hitchhike 20 miles to Sholo where my uncle would meet me at a designated place. It was later that I discovered the events of Fire in the Sky took place 20 miles from Sholo in Snowflake, Arizona. Glad I didn't know that at the time. I met my uncle, and we proceeded to the forest where his supposed abduction took place. He was no longer living in a tent, but had been provided a low-income government apartment with a job delivering flyers to houses. I was anxious to ask him questions about UFOs and if he had any more visitations since last time we talked, but he was very hesitant about any of this. He seemed to be more interested in the double tape deck that he found at a yard sale and wouldn't stop talking about the music that he was transferring onto mixtapes. He was so excited about these tapes that he played them the entire drive to the camp spot. Every time I tried to broach the topic of UFOs, he would change it to something else. I figured that he needed to warm up to the subject before he would talk, but he never did. I got zero information out of him on that trip. In 1997, there was one of the largest and most famous mass UFO sightings over Phoenix, Arizona, known as the Phoenix Lights. A comet was scheduled to pass the Earth on March 13th, so thousands of people were outside watching the skies. Stealing the comet's thunder, a huge V-shaped formation of glowing orbs moved silently for 300 miles along the Nevada state line and through Phoenix. Thousands witnessed the event, and hundreds of people were able to take photographs from all angles. The military released a statement almost on cue, saying that it was nothing more than flares dropped during a training exercise. The governor, however, J. Fife Symington, who was a witness to the phenomenon, stated that it was too symmetrical to have been flares and had to be craft from another world. I asked my uncle if he had witnessed this event and he casually said that he had. I was intrigued by this phenomenon, but he sounded so coy and disinterested that I remember feeling rather strange about his response. Uncle Denny, I asked him, what did you see? How close were you? What do you remember? There was silence, but I got the impression that it was because he was thinking about something else rather than trying to remember the incident. It was just a bunch of ships over the city, I've seen these type before. They're not the kind that take you up inside them. These have some other purpose. I don't know what for. I was stunned. I didn't know if he was making this up or if he was speaking from experience. After all, Arizona is well known for its UFO activity and abduction cases, such as Travis Walton. Well, what do you think they were here for? What were they doing? I pushed him. They had a message. He quickly responded, They gave me a message about time travel. Now I knew he was just making up fanciful stories. You just said you didn't know what they were here for, I replied. I got a message from one, the other ones had different purposes, might have been messages to other people or something, I don't know, but this one put this formula inside my head, a formula for time travel. I could tell he was much more intrigued about the message rather than the actual encounter, so I figured I wasn't going to get any more information out of him. Every time that I would try to question his alien encounter, he would always defer back to this strange message that he received. He seemed to have a hard time describing his theory and would get frustrated because he lacked the vocabulary. It didn't seem to make any sense to anybody except him. Okay, picture time as linear, like this piece of paper. Since it is affected by mass and acceleration, if you curved it like this piece of paper, he would say as he bent the paper to touch itself, then time would bend and you could step right from one place in time to another place in time. I just looked at him because I was not comprehending his explanation. Okay, I said. But how do you curve time to make it touch like that? Okay, he would start from the beginning like he found a better explanation. Take this piece of paper, if you fold it. It went on like this until I gave up trying to understand. I started to believe that maybe my uncle was crazy and that I was just starting to see it. One day, my mother called to tell me Denny had been arrested for having a stolen gun in his tent. This was very unlike my uncle, but I figured there might be things about him that I don't know or understand. When he was released from jail, I remember the phone call. What were you doing with a stolen gun? I demanded to know. And why did you have it in your tent unsupervised? Didn't you think a kid might walk in there and find it? Matthew, he replied, I don't own a gun. It wasn't mine. Of course it wasn't yours. It was stolen. What are you thinking? No, you don't understand, he corrected me. It was a setup. They put the gun in my tent so they could arrest me and try to get this formula from my head. I paused for a moment, like I was listening to a child explain why he was forced to eat cookies before dinner. Denny. I sighed, wanting to believe him. Why would the police go out of their way to frame some guy who lives in a tent? It wasn't just the police. It was the FBI, too. This might have been the point when I saw my uncle as crazy or even schizophrenic. Matthew, think about it. Why would the police go out of their way to look into a random tent and happen to find a gun? A gun that I never touched and then arrest me, a person that they have been stalking and tampering with his mail for years now. What are the chances? He actually had a very good point. What are the chances? I immediately had to slap my logic in the face for forgetting that he might be making it all up about the stalking and mail tampering. I didn't know what to believe from my uncle anymore. What did they ask you when you were arrested? I asked. At first. They asked me about the gun. Where did I get it? How did I get it? But they were the ones that planted it in my tent, so it wasn't long before they started asking other questions. Strange questions. Strange questions? Like what? He may have been suckering me in again. About my formula. How did I get it? Where was I on a certain date I can't remember? Have I been to a city in New Mexico? Roswell? I asked. No, some other place I've never heard of. Sounds like an ice cream. I had to admit, that was strange, if it was true. How did they know you have a formula for time travel? I think I was just playing along to hear what else he would say. After all, wouldn't the government be listening in to our conversation? I guess some electromagnetic waves are released from my brain due to the fact that a UFO implanted it. I knew we were in some Twilight Zone fantasy realm now. They said that if I don't give it to them, they have ways of removing it from my brain and it will not be pretty. Okay, Uncle Denny, just be careful and watch your back and don't touch anybody's gun from now on. I scolded him. A couple years went by and I didn't hear from him. Nobody heard from him. He seemed to just disappear. A few more years after that, and my grandmother, his mother, passed away. I thought that we would see him at the funeral or get a call, but we didn't. It wasn't until a year after his mother died that he called us out of the blue like nothing happened, like he hadn't been missing for five years. When we asked him where he had been, he replied, Nowhere. I've been here. He couldn't comprehend that his mother passed away without him knowing and that he missed the funeral. In his mind, it seemed like he had just talked to her weeks before. Nobody else made the connection, but I was starting to see that something wasn't right. He made a visit to my family in Ohio, but I had moved out of state, so I missed the drama that ensued we were all starting to feel that Uncle Denny was a little more unstable than previously thought. He would talk about his theory incessantly and even said that he was ready to show it to some scientists. He also insisted that the people who arrested him were always watching and trying to catch him, doing something that they could detain him for. He seemed extremely paranoid, and we all thought that he was going crazy. Then he disappeared again. Almost nine years passed where nobody heard from him. I tried to track him down to see if he was still alive. I paid to get his information and called everybody he had contact with the last 20 years. Nobody had heard from him either. Not his landlord, not the people he worked for, friends or neighbors. I assumed the worst and began searching for his death certificate and looking through obituaries. I found absolutely nothing and just gave up. I figured he had been eaten by an animal while camping and they never found his body. Until a year later, my mother got a call from a hospice in Phoenix. He was found under a bridge, completely incoherent and on the verge of death. Somehow they were able to identify him and get him help. I was baffled. How does somebody disappear for ten years and suddenly show up as a vegetable under a bridge? The hospice made it sound like he wouldn't last another week, so I drove five hours with my mother and nephew to Phoenix just to see him for what we thought would be the last time. When I walked in the hospice, I didn't even recognize the person who was supposed to be my uncle. He looked emaciated and didn't even know we were in the room. He just lied there with his mouth wide open and in a complete daze like he was in a coma. I asked him several questions but got no response. We figured that this was the result of undiagnosed schizophrenia in its advanced stage. But then I remembered what he had said, that if I don't give the formula to them, they have ways of removing it from my brain and it will not be pretty. This made me think about the ending scene in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where they perform a frontal lobotomy on Randall McMurphy, leaving him lifeless and in a vegetable state. I believe strongly in the principle of Occam's razor, that the simplest answer is usually the correct one. Uncle Denny had a mental disorder that eventually debilitated his mind. He hallucinated the alien abductions, was paranoid the FBI and local police were after him, and delusional about his time travel equation. These are all symptoms of medical schizophrenia. But I also believe that details are often missed when focusing on the simplest answer. Occam's razor does not account for unanswered questions. Why did he disappear for five years and act like nothing happened? He missed his own mother's funeral and seemed to think that he just talked to her weeks before. Was he able to travel through time? Did he somehow go five years into the future and not realize it? He did say that he was ready to show the scientists. Did our government extract the formula from his brain and leave him in this catatonic state like they threatened? Was my uncle part of an intergalactic conspiracy to obtain time travel that cost him his life? What if Denny Thrush was telling the truth about everything? My uncle is now in a vegetative state waiting to die in a hospice right now and will never be able to answer any of these questions. I hope that I am never cursed with such a formula, for I will know that I am either going insane or that I was given an extraterrestrial message that will soon be removed from my brain. Thanks for listening to Scary But True Campfire Stories presented by Dudes Camping, narrated by Matthew S. Newbold. Click the PayPal link below if you wish to support this channel and donate any amount to keep us going. You can purchase audiobooks from Matthew S. Newbold on Audible and iTunes. Email us at dudescampingstories at gmail to see how you can receive a free copy. Please hit the like button if you enjoyed this story and leave a comment. Any character's likeness is pure coincidence. If you're facing mental health issues, please get help. If you are facing abduction issues, then listen to our podcast on how to stop an abduction. Until next time, we will see you around the campfire.